Good morning, good morning, good morning. Come on, good morning, Noonan, LaGrange. If you're watching online, wow, we've already had church, I can leave. It's good, it's good. You know, I, I, I love that song that we just sang. I love it because it, it reminded me of my childhood and, and the words, I, I, I love the words. The words, have you ever seen the wonder in the glimmer of first sight? As the eyes begin to open and the blindness meets the light. If you have so, say, I see the world in light. I see the world in wonder. I see the world in life. Bursting in living color. I see the world your way. And I'm walking in the light. Come on. Yeah, you can clap. I need you to clap now. I need you to clap. You know, and you have to understand something about me. If I get loud, I'm not yelling at you. That's just how I talk, um, no matter where I'm at. And so just understand that. I love you. I'm not yelling at you. I love you. And this is just me. But you know, that, that song, here, here's the thing. Those words reminded me um, of the early mornings in my childhood um, when I was growing up. And really, when I say childhood, I mean when I was more of a, a student. I, I, I grew up on the lake. I, I started water skiing when I was two. And you're like, no, that's impossible. No, when you have a dad that um, grew up on it and barefoots and does all that, he puts you on his skis. And you just hold on for dear life. But it did. It reminded me of the mornings that he and I would go out early in the morning and, and, and we would wake up before it's dark or, or before the light comes up and, and we would hitch the, the boat to the car and we would drive about five to 15 minutes away depending on where we decided to barefoot that day. And we would put the boat in the water, and, and then that's about the time that the sun starts to peek up over the Ozarks and starts to hit the lake. And, and it's amazing that we would see the light and then just the color on the water and, and the calmness of the water. And it would just be bursting and then we would be barefooting in the light or, or my dad would be barefooting, I would be face planting. Either way, it was fantastic. But the lake is where I learned some of the most amazing stories about the Bible. I also learned some other life lessons. Like when you're on the dock, you don't throw the car keys to the person in the boat who can't catch. Because they go into the water and then you're sitting there for an hour and a half. Maybe two hours. I'm not going to say that it happened more than once, but it did. I also learned that when dad says, hey, you need to fill up the boat with gas, you probably should listen because he's not coming to get you. And so for a mile and a half, I got to paddle with a ski because I forgot the oar. That was fun. I also learned that... Huh, the water hurts when you're going 45 miles an hour and it feels like cement. But I also learned some incredible lessons from the Bible. I learned that Peter walked on water and he had faith. I learned that when God says to throw your nets on the other side, you throw your nets on the other side. But I also learned 
one of the most important lessons. And that's this. That no matter how big I think my sin is, Jesus loves me, he wants to forgive me, and he wants to restore me. He loves me, he wants to forgive me, and he wants to restore me. I mean, that's good stuff. Unless I'm the only one that that ever thought at some point in my life my sin was too big, too dirty, too dark for him to forgive. But I think that happens to a lot of us. In fact, I, I think sometimes we're the only ones that think that, oh my goodness, I'm the only one dealing with pornography. I'm the only one dealing with gossip. I'm the only one dealing with pain. I'm the only one dealing with divorce. I'm the only one dealing with pride. I'm the only one dealing with death. And so what happens is, is we start to to believe the lies that Satan tells us. The lies that go like this. You're in too deep and there's no way out. Or, hey, you're not good enough. You don't measure up to that guy or that lady. Or if God really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this. And what happens is that as we allow those lies to become so prevalent, so loud, that they eventually take over and we go mad. We go crazy. And we kind of lose perspective. But that's not the kind of life that God wants for you. It's not the kind of life that he designed for you. It's not the kind of life that he wants you to live. He wants you to walk in the light. He wants you to walk in the Jesus way. He wants you to live in bursting color. That's what he wants for you. That's what he designed for you. And it's really awesome when it happens. And and here's the cool thing is that we really see this come to life in Mark 5, 1 through 20. Now in Mark 5, 1 through 20, we're going to see a man who was so taken over by demons and so possessed that he was living in tombs and he was living loud and he was cutting himself and he was yelling and he wasn't making any sense. You can also find this story in Matthew chapter 8 or Luke chapter 8. But we're going to be right in Mark 5, 1 through 20. I have to set this story up for you because I think there's something there before it in Mark, in, uh, Mark 4, right at the very end. We, we see Jesus had, had just got done teaching and, and, and he had just got done doing, performing some miracles. And so what happens is, is he goes, hey guys, let's get in the boat and let's head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's go over there. Let's go to the other side. 
And, and, and so like they had done before, they hop in the boat and, and Jesus, is, he's taking a nap. He's relaxing and, 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 and he's just kind of hanging out. And then the storm creeps up and, and starts to rattle everyone else. It doesn't rattle Jesus though. Jesus just looks at his disciples and says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You of little faith, calm, be still. Or storm, be still. Bam. The wind stop. The waters go calm. You see, a lot of, a, a, a lot of commentaries and very conservative commentaries would say even that storm was Satan's way of trying to get Jesus off track a little bit. That's kind of how it is in life for us, right? There's storms come and, and unfortunately they blow us off track. But not Jesus. He just says, hey, storm, be calm. And so that's what we see. And then he reaches the, the other side. And here's what happens. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now, you have to understand there that, that he's literally going from a place with a, a, a lot of Jews in the area, a great population, to a population that there aren't very many, okay? He's going to a place where there aren't very many Jews. There, his story hasn't been shouted. His story hasn't been told. So he's going to go from a place where they, people are starting to know his name to a place where, where it's not happening very much. And we pick up in verse 2. And then, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, I'll be honest. If I had been in my boat, okay, and, and I was pulling up to the boat ramp, and someone naked and crazy came running down the boat ramp, I am turning the boat around and heading back out to the lake. Uh-uh. I mean, crazy. You see, Satan had taken over this man so much that he had lost his mind. He literally had lost his mind. You see, even today, though, demons are dangerous and they're powerful and destructive and, and Satan uses them to try and to destroy people. He uses them to try and do destruction and, and, and break up families and break up marriages. He uses them to try and destroy our kids. He uses them to try and destroy organizations and, and companies or schools. But here's the thing. Is that James... 4-7 tells us when we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. 
Did you hear that? When we submit, submit's a funny word. It's very interesting because it takes an action. It's an action step. And when we submit, when we submit that action, it's one of the first steps to freedom is, is, is owning your sin and submitting to God. It's being open and honest with him. It's being vulnerable. What's it mean to submit? It means you take God at his word and knows that he will forgive you. But you are open and honest and you say, God, I have to turn away from my sin. I give it to you. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm turning away from it. You see, sometimes that's why we deal with with the same thing over and over and over. It's because we aren't willing to submit it. We aren't willing to really give it up. We'll give him a little peace. We'll say, okay, God, here's a little bit of this. Here's a little of this. But you, I still kind of like this piece. I'm going to keep it over here. But if we'll submit, if we'll go all in, if we'll go all in, I learned that lesson barefooting. That if you'll just, if you'll, when you're barefooting, if you, um, if you just kind of halfway put your toes in, you fold away, get a face plant. But if you'll go all in and set your feet in, you will stand up and the spray is gone and, and you are, wow. But that's how Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to go all in. We'll pick back up. Verse 6. And when, G- when he saw Jesus from out afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, for Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion for we are many. You see, even the enemies recognizes the power of Jesus. Even the enemy recognizes the power. And even some of the best words come out of the the worst mouths. You see, you are the most high God came out of a demon's mouth. How often do the best words come out of our mouths? For that matter, how often do the worst words come out of our mouths? But see, even the demons recognize Jesus. Even the demons. And, and here's what I love. I, I love this. Is, is, is Jesus shows his power and his love to those demons. He shows his power. He shows his love. Even when he looks outnumbered. And you're like, wait, there's only one. No, here's the thing. Legion means three to six thousand. It was a military term for the Romans. It, it was a legion of soldiers. 
You have to understand, this man was not taken over by one demon or by a couple. He was taken over by several. And that demon was like, hey, we are many. But Jesus was like, "Uh, I don't care. I have control over you. I have power over you. See, Satan's army is unanimous. They're out to steal, kill, and destroy. And a lot of times what happens is we think in our own power, we can control that secret sin. We can control that that secret desire. But we can't. The enemy is unanimous. The enemy wants to defeat you. He's out to kill you, to destroy you. And we cannot do it alone. But when we stand in the power and in the blood of Jesus, we can stand against that enemy. We can stand strong against that enemy. We can stand in love against the enemy. And we can stand in the power of Jesus. Come on. In verse 10, it picks up. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000. Numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Wow. Can you imagine if that would have happened today? That'd be all over social media. It'd be all over. It'd be like, what? But see... There's something interesting there. Those pigs, pigs in that day were unclean and they were unclean to the Jewish, the Jewish people and, and, and they, were, they, were, they were defiled animals. And so that's where we know that they were probably run by Gentiles or probably run by someone else. And, and here's the thing is that it's funny that that's where those demons asked to go. They asked to go to the unclean. They asked to go to the nasty. But see, going to the unclean, going to the nasty leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to anything else. I've had a pig before. His name was Bacon. You think I'm kidding. He was literally about 300 pounds. I do not know why my mom wanted him. But he was nasty and dirty. He was not cute at all. And when he passed away, mm-mm, that was gross. But that's what Satan and his enemy likes. They like the dirty. They like the nasty. Satan wants to feed you lies to believe that that can sometimes be fun, that, Hey, that's okay. I can step over here and be in this. 
I can dabble in it a little bit. No, you can't. Dabbling in sin only leads to destruction. It doesn't matter what sin it is. It could be gossip. It could be adultery. It could be pornography. It could be anything. If it's sin, it's sin. It leads to destruction. Doesn't matter how we think it may be. Satan loves it. He loves destruction. He is not for you. He is against you. And we have to learn to turn away from it. I want to pick back up. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. In, 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 verse, in, in, in verse 14. The herdsmen, sorry. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it is that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Wait a minute. These people were undoubtedly scared of Jesus' supernatural power. But notice what they didn't really talk about. They kind of mentioned, hey, this is what he did to the man. But did you hear about my pigs? My pigs went off a cliff. Isn't that how we are? Huh? When Jesus starts messing with our livelihood, starts messing with our finances, We soon forget what he did to our life, how he delivered us from from junk, how he delivered us from evil, and we start to say, oh, but hey, my money's gone? I can't believe it. Jesus, I just don't know if I trust you anymore. Jesus, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I, uh, you took away my livelihood, I'm good. Jesus, you're starting to take some things away, I'm good. See, it's when he starts to take some things away that he's just trying to build you up so that you'll put your full faith and trust in him and not in something material. You see, they would much rather lose Jesus than give up their livelihood. I think about what would have happened to them. I think about what would have happened to them if, if they would have only parted with their sins. Jesus had a life of freedom and joy for them. But they couldn't depart with it. They couldn't learn from that. And they were like, hey, Jesus, you have to go. You've messed with, you've messed with our stuff. You have to go. Because Jesus loves people so much and gives them a choice. Here's what happens. He goes. He goes. He's like, okay, hey, it's good. I'll leave. And then we pick up back where, where, where Jesus is now in the boat. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might, be ma- that he might stay with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You see, most of the time when Jesus performed miracles, he would tell them to be quiet. But I think it's a little different here for two reasons. One, this man had been healed. Like, he couldn't speak. He was crazy. He was wild. He was nuts. We all know someone like that, right? Nuts. I mean, this dude was insane. And now, all of a sudden, he is in his right mind. It is like when Briggs is ready for bed. Like Briggs, my four-year-old, is literally the tornado. And then when he's ready for bed, it's like, he is perfect when he's sleeping. But that's like this man. This man had been insane and messed up. And then all of a sudden, he was changed. And so what a great testimony that provides. I think the second reason is this. By sending this man away with great news, Jesus was expanding his ministry to people who were not Jews. He was literally just expanding his territory. He was saying, hey, go out. Share your story. A lot of people may not hear it, but you know what? They'll believe it now because your life has been changed. And so he went out and he shared his story. And he shared it well, that people started marveling at it, started changing their lives. You see, this is an incredible story of the living example of Jesus' power. And here's what I believe God has for you today. That no matter how messed up, how dirty, or how dark your sin is, Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you and he wants you to restore you in his righteousness. He wants to restore you. And when he restores you, he also clothes you. You see, he wants you to live in freedom. When that happens, he wants you to live in freedom. You don't have to live in the tombs anymore. You don't have to live in the darkness anymore. You can live in the light. You see, you allow conviction to lead you to repentance where you can live in grace and not guilt and shame. Did you hear that? When we ask Jesus to forgive us and when we repent, conviction, conviction will say, hey, You need to turn this over to me. Guilt and shame drive you mad. And when we live in freedom, we don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore. We can live in truth. Jesus brought this man back in agreement with his true identity so that he could be restored to his true destiny. How many of you would like that? God has a great destiny for you. But some of us are too busy trying to live in, our, in this other identity, in this other part over, way over here, when all of that is what God's saying, hey, that's your true identity. All of that over there. Hey, 
Why are we stuck right here? Jesus has a destiny for you. And he wants you to live in it. And when we ask him to come into our lives, that's what happens. You don't have to feel like you aren't good enough or unmatched. You get to live in freedom. I love what Psalms 18.29 says. It says, God, with God, we can run against a troop and leap over a wall. How awesome is that? We don't have to live in fear. We get to run. We get to leap over walls. That's the life God has for you. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide because hiding only keeps you in bondage. And when Jesus forgives you and restores you, you don't have to be in bondage anymore. Here's what that means. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. You get to walk in the light. You get to be proud of who you are. You can respect who you are. You can love who you are. You see, religion only seeks to cover up our sin. But Jesus has the power to clothe your nakedness. You see, I I love this aspect of the story is this dude was naked and crazy and all of a sudden he was clothed. Kind of what I imagine happening is is Jesus, I mean, where did he get clothes from? They didn't have a TJ Maxx or a Coles or Dillard's or a, 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 a Toggery place. Where do you get clothes? I imagine Jesus said, hey, here's my tunic. You need to put this on. I got you. And he's sitting there and he's clothed. I think that's a pretty awesome picture of the power and the love of Jesus. Because you don't have to feel like you're out of control. You get to live in freedom and in the security of the one who restored you and of the one who clothed you. You get to live in that security. I think the second thing that happens when, when we start living in freedom and, and we start believing that Jesus forgave us and, and start believing that he restored us, the second thing that happens is you get a voice. You get a voice. You get a story to tell. You get a story to tell. You have a story to tell. When Jesus changes your life, you have a story to tell. You don't have to be silent or keep quiet anymore. Psalms 96.3 tells us, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. Man, that doesn't mean to sit in our house and just read our Bibles. And just be okay with staying put. It means going out, sharing our story, telling our story, talking about what Jesus did for us. See, here's what's going to happen. When you start sharing the story, the enemy does not like that. He's going to want to tell you two things. Shut up. He's going to try and shut you up. He's going to try and shut you up with people who tell you, hey, hey, you don't need to, you don't need to be talking about that. Or, hey, hey, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, man, you don't, do you really want to talk about that right now? 
Or, or, or hey, are you really that free? Are you really, are you really, I mean, did Jesus really change you? I mean, I don't think so, because you did this, this, and this. See, when, when we have Jesus and we have freedom and when we've repented of our sins and, and we've turned them over to him and surrendered, you can walk in the light. You can be respected. You can be loved because you are by a heavenly father who sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you. You have a story to share. Don't be discouraged. Keep living in freedom. Go run and share it. The greatest voice you have is a life lived well for Jesus. Is a life lived well for Jesus. So my question to you today is, have you allowed Jesus to forgive you? Have you allowed Jesus to restore you? Have you allowed him to change you? To make you new? Maybe you're someone who's asked Jesus into your life, but you've been dealing with this secret sin. You've kind of been dealing with it. You haven't really told anybody about it. Man, you may be someone who you've known Jesus for a long time. You may lead a life group. You may, you may actually, you know, who knows who you are? You're like, man, I don't know. Ah, guess what? Here's what we have to do then. Own your sin. Surrender it. Ask from repentance. Turn away from it. And walk in the truth. Walk in light. Walk with your head held high. Because that's what Jesus wants for you. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Love covers a multitude of sins. I love that verse. But see, sometimes we are not willing to go through the uncomfortable of going through the repentance part, of actually handing everything over. We're not willing to go through that uncomfortable aspect of getting pruned a little bit, of getting shaped up a little bit. We're not willing to go through the uncomfortable of, 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 of God saying, hey, I need to change this in you. This is what my word says. You need to believe it and walk the other way. If you want to live in true freedom, start believing what God's word says. If you want to live in true freedom, start walking the way Jesus walked. You know, the Bible doesn't say specifically about what led the demons to enter him. But I don't think that's really the point. The point is this, is that sin separates us from a big God. And the only way to remove that sin is to believe in Jesus, to ask for forgiveness, and to repent. To turn away and turn to a heavenly father saying, hey, I'm ready for you to to believe in me. I'm ready for you to live the way I've destined you to live. I'm ready for you to walk in freedom. I'm just waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. What would happen if we walked out of this campus, out of the LaGrange campus, or away from our computers, 
walking in true freedom today? What would happen if we could walk in true freedom and walk in the light? What would happen if we walked out of this campus or the other campus or from our computers instead of talking about somebody, talking to somebody about what Jesus has done for us? What would happen? What would happen if we lived in the freedom of knowing Jesus completely forgave us and wants to give us peace? When we looked in the mirror, we we saw someone who walks in the power of the one that changed us. And in the truth of his word, what would happen? See, I think we're a church that we're ready to make an impact. We're ready to go out and see lives change. And, and, and I think we're going to do this by living in freedom and living lives that just simply point to Jesus and point to his word. You know, today as we close, if you would, just close your eyes and just kind of just think about where you're at right now. I think there's some of you right now that, that you might, you're, you're, you've asked Jesus in your life, but you might be just dealing with some junk. Maybe you know the right thing to do, but, but you know what? You're just like, oh, I just don't know if I can give up living this way. If you want to live in freedom, you need to give up living that way. If you want to live in freedom, you need to confess some things. You may need to repent. Believe me, I've had to, over the last nine months, I've had to repent of a lot. I've had to turn away. I've had to say, Jesus, I surrender this. I surrender my gossip. I surrender my eyes. I surrender my heart. Jesus, I, I, I need to, I, you need to deal with me. And so maybe that's you today. Or maybe you're out here going, man, I have never asked Jesus into my life, but I want that freedom. It's very simple. All you have to do today is say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, show me the way I need to live. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that, and then three days later being raised, born again, or raised again so that I could have life. Jesus, I, I pray that conviction would lead me to greater repentance, which would lead me to freedom. Jesus, take over. If that's you today, I I pray that right now you would just say that very simple prayer and you can follow along with me. It just says, Jesus, come into my life. Remove my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Jesus, help me live each day for you. You see, if you just prayed that prayer, if you said it in your own words, Your life has changed. You are no longer the person you used to be. You are now the person God has called you to be. And what you need to do is just start walking in that truth. Walking in the light.